What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. All right, again, good morning. How's everybody doing? Let me get some stuff situated up here. Good to be back in the house of God. We missed you guys last week. We had some good time away, but we missed you guys. It's always good to come back to the house and see everybody again, because you all are extended family, amen? All right, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about the journey of faith, but you know what? I've heard a couple testimonies of people that are talking about their journey of faith yesterday, and it was awesome to hear. So uh, thank you for those that are guests that are here this morning, and those that are tuning off the line with us, thank you so much for joining with us. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. We are currently located at 1225 Oak Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. If you'd like to come and join us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or a Wednesday evening at 7 p.m., we'd love to have you. Come and be a part, and let us pray with you about whatever needs you may have going on in your life. Amen? You can't get the same thing tuning online as you get in the house, amen. Besides that, I don't really know what God's going to do this morning. Y'all good with that? I mean, I got a sermon. I got a plan. But that don't mean we're going to stick to plan this morning, amen? Because uh, I feel like there's going to be some prayer in the house this morning. And, uh, and he told me to preach to music. So I'm just going to let the music play. And we're going to talk, amen? So we are actually continuing. This will be part... Six. I think it's six because the first week I did my testimony. This is part six of our journey of faith or the journey of faith. And if you caught the video, there are several things in that intro that talk about the journey we have here at Next Level Freedom Church and the journey that you have in your own life. And if you notice the first part of the video, the first word was believe because the first thing in order to have a journey with Christ is that you've got to receive him as Savior. Amen. So the first step on our journey here. At Next Level Freedom Churches, begin. And if you've ever been back here and grabbed coffee in the mornings, they're all listed back there. So in the begin stage, we talk about salvation and baptism. We're not asking you to join a church. We just need to, you need to be saved, amen? You need to be baptized because that is exactly how you can get your journey going. The second week, I'm going to have to look at my notes here over the last several. We talked about grow because in the house, we begin phase two of our journey, which is build by taking, going through Grove Track, amen? Grove Track is the way to become a member right here at Next Level Freedom Church. There's a couple of reasons we do that. One, so that you can hear our vision and see if you really are called to be a part of this house. Is if not, you need to find where God wants you to be, amen? I'm not so proud and prideful that I say everybody belongs here because I can tell you right now, everybody doesn't belong at Next Level Freedom Church, right? But you need to find where God needs you to be so that you can grow, amen? So the second part of the journey is grow. So you go through Grove Track. We talk about the vision of the house. We talk about the basics of Christianity. We talk about serving and getting involved. It's a three-week course, and over those three weeks, those are the things we talk about. 
Um, the next week we talked about serving. And you got to be serving in the house, amen? Because there are certain gifts that God has given you that isn't for me, amen? We've all been given different gifts, and we serve in-house because we can find our sweet spot, amen? Because if you're serving God and you're in your sweet spot, that's the best place to be. Because So we, get, we encourage you to serve in the house. That is still in the build portion of the journey. And the last part of the build portion of our journey, so we have a four-step journey, begin, build, bond, become. Begin with salvation and baptism, build, growth track, serving in-house, and outreach. Amen? So it's not about stopping here. It's about how do we take the gospel out there. Amen? So where you're at all days of the week and what you're doing during the week, people are watching. Some of you didn't know they were watching you, amen? They see how you're living. And if you're one of those claiming to be a Christian but living like hell, then they're looking at you saying, you know what? If what you got's that God thing, I don't need it. I already got enough hell in my own life. But if you're a born-again believer and you're living it at work, at school, on the different areas that you're in in life, then guess what? They're going to notice you and they're going to come to you and they're going to ask you a question. They're going to be like, what's different about you? And they'll do it at the most random times. Some of y'all can testify to that already. I remember one night at work uh, when I worked at Tower Rock, um, uh, Rock Quarry, where Brett and them work, and Steve. I remember being on the barge. It was one of those nights where we probably sat on the barge for four hours. We're just waiting on a boat, right? Because that happens sometimes in the Rock Quarry. So you're just standing there talking with everybody around you. Breath like happens a lot, right? <laughs> so especially if you're at the crusher. Oh, it doesn't happen anymore. They're busy, huh? But uh, so we would stand around talking, and uh, they, would, they knew I was a believer. They knew I was a Christian. So, you know, the crew would kind of make fun, right? Picking fun at it. But do you know that very same night, one of the people standing in that circle caught me in the parking lot and said, hey, preacher, I got a question. And I was able to leave that gentleman who... The rest of the world had written off and said he'll never make it to the Lord that night. Because you are a living witness. So whether you know it or not, people are watching you. They're seeing how you react. They're seeing how you live. They're seeing how you walk. And they are critics. That's what they do. But, you know, the critics are the ones that never go anywhere. But there are going to be those that you come into contact with that are going to know what is it that's different about you. What do you got? And they're probably not going to ask about it in front of their friends. They're going to catch you at the end. But, see, if your testimony ain't that great, those people aren't coming to you afterwards because they don't see a difference. So that's part of that serving and that outreach journey, which we talked about last time. Today we're going to be talking about the next step, which is bond, and that's our fourth or third step in our journey here at Next Level Freedom Church, and this is where we get into small groups, connect groups. Yeah, the ladies just had one a couple of weeks ago. I uh, heard it went well. A lot of prayer and things were going down, so uh, it's how we connect with people. Why do we have small groups? Well, we're going to talk about it today because the small groups are where it's at. What you're doing out there amongst your friends and the people of the church, I hope you got family in the church you can connect with and hang out with on a regular and that you're able to hang out with because that is where the connection happens. That is where you're going to be able to have an opportunity to reach people that may never come to this altar, but they'll talk to you in a house. 
Remember the Bible study I talked about at the Crusade Center? The deacon showed up at our house, and the whole thing fell apart. Remember that? Those kids reasoning, when they talked, I didn't say anything, they talked, was that if this had happened in a church, I wouldn't have come. But because this is in their house, and I feel comfortable here, I came. And I'm learning a lot. So why would you want to take that away from me, was their question to those same deacons that night. We've forgiven them. We've moved on. But small groups is where it's at. We just started it as a Bible study at my house. For the first 30 minutes, we'd let them play basketball, hang out, do whatever, you know. You'd just give them time to connect. We'd come together for a Bible study for the last 30 minutes, and then people could go whenever they felt like they wanted to. Sometimes we had snacks and things. You know, it's just a, t- a chance to connect. So that could mean a group goes to the ball game if they're all sports fans, right? You don't have to have Bible study. Now, it's encouraged, but you don't have to. Because sometimes connecting with people, they don't want the word first. Remember our saying we've talked about? People don't know how, or people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you going to the ball game with them may make a difference in their life that could totally change them. And then you'll get your opportunities. Our key passage, we've been talking about um, Acts, or we've been coming out of the book of Acts. We've been talking about Saul converted to Paul and his journey and comparing it to our journey. So today we're, we're going to be talking about the, the, the word connect. How do we connect with other people? Let's read our key passage first of all in Philippians chapter 3. Um, we're going to start there in verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. How many of y'all are with him? I am. I've got my hand up. It's not. I'm, I'm agreeing with that. I'm not made it yet. But you know what? I'm working on it. Working out my salvation. Amen. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straighting toward what is ahead. Got to forget the past to move on with the future. And man, it doesn't matter. God's not looking at what you did back here because literally he says he cast those things as far as the east is from the west. So what you need to understand about that is that is infinity. It doesn't end. So literally, when you ask God for forgiveness, if you're a believer... Or salvation may be your first prayer. He literally forgets everything you did back here. So that when you go to him, you're like, God, I'm so sorry I did this and this. And God's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I've already forgotten that because he's God, right? So, yes, he can make himself forget. Yes, he has that power. He doesn't worry about it. What he wants to know is where are you going in your future? Because your future is what's going to change this world and what's going to change the people around you. Amen. Forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And he actually wrote that. The same guy that we talked to this start of this journey out was murdering Christians. He's the guy that wrote that scripture, and some of you recognize that scripture. And I told you, many of the ones hanging on your wall, more than likely Paul wrote them, a lot of them. Probably the most known one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Eh? That's Paul. 
That's the same guy who was persecuting and killing Christians. Then God delivered him. And you know, the only thing he did different was said yes to God. That's it. He called himself, Paul talking about himself, I'm the chiefest of sinners. But God worries about your future, amen? Acts chapter 14 is where we're going to start. We're going to be jumping around a little bit today because I want to hit on a few different points as we begin talking about connect groups and connecting with other people. Acts chapter 14, verse 8 and through 10 is what we're going to start. It says, In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. How many of y'all know that man was born lame? We'll turn that down a little bit. It's getting hot up here. <laughs> Somebody said, thank you, Terry. You were hot too. All right. Stand up on your feet. So Paul looked directly at him, knowing he had the faith for it. He said, stand up on your feet. And the man jumped up. It said he had been lame from birth. Because point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, small groups are about reaching the individual. We have our corporate worship. We have our corporate prayer. We have a lot of corporate time. But it's on a one-on-one basis when you're able to reach the individual even more powerfully. Amen? Because the Spirit can move and guide your words and what you have to say. First Peter 3, 8-9 says, Finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. What? Did y'all just hear that? That's the opposite of what the world tells you. Amen? On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. He said, don't repay insult for insult. Now, how many of y'all know when you get insulted, this is the opposite of what the flesh tells us to do. Your first thing you want to do is insult back. He said, don't do that. Or what about that person that's gossiping about you at work? Talking about you or at school or wherever you're at. Do you know there's a verse that talks about if you repay with kindness that reaps hot coals on their head because they don't understand why you're being so nice. Because they're doing everything they can to get you to hate them. But you just keep on loving. Amen. God bless the little Pharisees that Jesus had to talk to and deal with. The religious knuckleheads. Amen. Because they, if it had been up to Jesus, he, you know he had the power. He could have wiped them all out in one clear sweep, right? But he let them talk. He ministered what he could. I really believe there were people in that cohort that got saved. Pharisees, that they saw what was going on. They didn't go with the mob. They believed what Jesus was saying. 1 Timothy 5, 1-2 goes even further. It says, do not rebuke an older man harshly. But exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. I think it's the Living Bible even translate that. It says you guys should be like one big happy family. I mean, I know families ain't always happy. That's just the truth. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. 
It's going to be okay. So Jesus even told us, it wasn't just Paul. Where do you think Paul got his teaching? He said, don't repay evil for evil. He said, if you want to be a leader, if you want to lead, then you got to learn to serve first. How many of y'all know leaders are servants? As a pastor and the other pastors in this house, we're called to serve this house. It's not about making us feel higher in rank or anything like that. That's not what God meant, and that's what Jesus was getting at. That's what the world will tell you to do. Use that title to reign over people. Jesus said, not you. Not so with you. You love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Woo, that's tough to do. Y'all know you want to curse them, right? Sometimes. But he said, bless them. And even Paul said that. So if we continue there in verse 19, it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch to Iconium and won the crowd over. And they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Y'all realize he was stoned. They thought he was dead, so they left him for dead outside the city. But what did it say? It said the other disciples gathered round him, and he went back into the city. And the next day, you notice he and Barnabas. Remember I told you there's a flip now. You're starting to see Paul and Barnabas instead of Barnabas and Paul because Paul is walking into what God has for him. So point number two is small groups give us strength. There is strength in numbers. You guys know that if you've ever tried to witness to somebody and all of you got your buddy with you that's a Christian. But when you're by yourself and there's more of them, it's harder to do, isn't it? Because the persecution drops and falls. Small groups give us strength. You've got your brothers and sisters that can come around you and lift you up, hold you accountable when you need to be held accountable, but also lift you up when the rest of the world hates you. The people in your small group, guess what? They love you, and they continue to lift you up. You can't get that as much in a corporate setting. I'm not saying it won't happen, but that's where the small groups are important. Ephesians 4, 2 to 3 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I've told you before our objective here at Next Level Freedom Church is to unify a body of believers even outside of the church setting. We want to see a community of believers out there. That's why our final facility is a place for them to hang out and come and just be and bring others in and hopefully lead them to Jesus, amen? Because that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. Do they know Jesus or do they not know Jesus? Verse 21, as we continue in Acts 14, it says, They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Check out these quotes. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Because three, point number three, small groups give us encouragement. Jesus, if any, whoever, if someone ever told you that this Christian thing is going to be easy and once you get saved, life's easier from there, they lied to you. And they will lie to you about something else. Because I here's what I will promise you. It gets harder. 
But the end result and the end reward is great. It's going to get harder because you're going to have to die to your flesh daily. You're going to battle your flesh daily. The morning when you get up, those thoughts that come to your head, you're going to have to die to those thoughts. And you're going to have to think godly thoughts. But here's what I want you to notice. Even though he got stoned when his disciples came around him, took him back in the city, him and Barnabas went out and started preaching again. They didn't stop because they got persecuted a little bit. There's strength in numbers. Amen? What did it say? And because they preached the gospel in that city, they won a large number of disciples. Romans 12 tells us, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. There's that unity theme going on again. We was having discussions this morning about churches that are dividing churches. Preachers, teachers, people you thought were saved. Maybe they are, but they've just lost their way. Causing division in the church. He says you need to unify. Unify, because guess what? Next Level Freedom Church and all the churches we're affiliated with and even the ones we're not, we're all working together for the same purpose if we're looking for Jesus. Amen? If we're trying to point people to Jesus, then we're here for the same readings because we're one body, the ecclesia, with many members. So there is something you can do that you bring to the table that none of us do. So when God took the time to look down on you and say, guess what? I want a relationship with you. Then you ought to think you're pretty special. The creator of the universe came to you and took the time out of his schedule, sent his son, died, so that you could have a relationship with him. (laughs) Well, the old saying, you never want to meet your superstar or the person you look up to like in Hollywood and places because they'll disappoint you. I got one that won't. And that's Jesus, amen? I can't wait to meet Jesus. Matter of fact, I talk with him all the time. I can't wait to meet him face to face. How many of y'all are with me on that? Because small groups give us encouragement. We need to use each other's talents to reach the lost because they are running out of time. This world will come to an end someday. Whether they know Jesus or not, well, the Bible says, is it appointed upon man once to die And after that, the judgment. Well, Pastor, I don't believe in that. Well, are you sure? Because if I didn't know with 100% certainty, I'd want to figure out what do I got to do to have a relationship with God? Because without it, you're not going to make it through judgment. And what I envision in my own mind, whether that's what's really going to happen or not, is when these people who always give you the excuses, you all know these people, right? They always got an excuse why they can't talk to God. Or they got an excuse why God's wrong about something, right? I always picture in my mind, as soon as they come up with their excuses in heaven, the door falls out from under them. God says, I don't have time for you. I never knew you. The excuses aren't going to work in heaven. I'm not giving you doom and gloom. I'm just giving you truth. You can come to your pastor, you can come to the church, you can talk to your best friend about all the excuses as to why you can't get that relationship with God. But guess what? When the end of time comes, if you don't know Jesus, there's one place you're going. And God won't listen to the excuses. 
Jesus is so cool. Amen. He knew exactly what to say to knuckleheads who wanted to argue with him. Amen. We aren't going to go into any examples today. Let's continue there in verse 23 of Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through uh, Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Persia, they went down to Atalia. Point number four this morning. Small groups give opportunities for leadership. What were they doing? It said they appointed elders over each church that they went to with prayer and fasting, committed to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. You get your opportunities by shining with your small groups. We're going to have many of them eventually. I encourage you to join one because here's what's going to happen. In the small groups, you're going to have opportunities to grow, and you're going to notice, I think, the rest of the story we read here in a minute. There were people that went with Paul. They got opportunities to grow as they're planning elders. There are people that they're installing as leaders of these churches, much like what we're going to be doing here at Next Level Freedom Church when we start planting churches all over the place. We're going to install elders in those churches. Those elders are going to run it. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to see where, who God is anointed to do that. But there's opportunities for leadership in small groups because the next step when you get to the bond portion the first step on the leadership journey is for you to lead a small group. Can you lead a small group of people? Maybe bring it to your house. Maybe have it at your house. Or maybe you set up the date to go to the ball game or whatever it is you're going to do. Leadership opportunities are there in small groups. Ephesians 4 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all of those gifts are at work in this house. There's a reason for that. We're praying for those gifts to all be at work in other houses, as we plant those houses. They are there to guide. They are there to lead. If you've been through growth track, you know that the people are the ministers, means servant. The pastors are the administers. They're there to guide. They're there to teach. They're there to guide you along when you've got questions in your journey. They're there to help you to grow in Christ. They were installing people. So the leadership opportunities begin with small groups. Verse 26 of Acts 14, from Atalia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to, that's us, y'all read that next word, the Gentiles. How am I a Gentile? Well, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's how it works. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. The last point this morning, and I think we're going to have some prayer time here in a second. Small groups are about connection. The word we started with was connect. That's what really what small groups are about. So as you begin to bond with other people, those connections, you're going to be surprised how many of those connections are going to open doors for you to minister. 
just through sm- just we connected with pastors and people in the area and we're getting connections we never thought we should have had and there's just doors opening it's going to be the same for you now they may not be pastors and people but there's going to be connections there's going to be business owners there's going to be people that you're able to connect with that are going to be able to help you on your journey that's the point of small groups Acts 2, 42 to 47, as I get ready to close, this is the last verses I want to read, and then I want to take some time to pray. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Check this out. This is a big deal. Y'all think about this. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. So the guy that had land, he sold it and gave the money to those that needed it. This is the type of family they had in Acts in this day. I thought that was amazing. Some of y'all didn't catch it, but it's cool. They sold everything they had, possessions, and they gave it to the apostles who distributed it to the people that needed it. How many of y'all know if we'd rise up together, we could help each other get out from under the debt that's holding you down like this? And I really believe God is sending people into this house that are going to do just that. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. That last half of verse 47 is every pastor's dream. Or it should be if you're actually called to ministry. The Lord added to their number daily, daily, those that were being saved. They broke, to get, they broke bread together. That can mean communion, but I believe they were just hanging out, getting to know each other. Because you know families are stronger together, amen? So if you don't have a relationship, if I didn't have a relationship with Brett, example, and someone comes along and starts a gossip about Brett, how am I going to know that that's not Brett unless I got to know Brett? And then I can discern the spirits, And say, "Uh, that's not Brett. He wouldn't do something like that. Or that's not Devin or Lisa or Zach or anybody here. That doesn't sound like who they are. That's how you build those relationships and get out those dividing spirits that are going to try to come against this house and even now are trying to start. Oh, God, I just call to you this morning. May we be a body of believers that put forth the gospel in all we do. May this be a house that helps the poor, that helps the orphans and widows, those that are in need. May this be the house that raises up an entire generation that has a heart for you and take this world back. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We praise you this morning for the words you've brought forth. I feel that the word is done this morning, God, but I pray now as we get into some ministering and prayer time, God, that you would just speak this morning, speak this morning through me and those that have words.
May we never forget that at the end of the day, it's all about you, Jesus. Let us forget our differences and strive together to what unifies us, and that's Jesus. Help us to go forth now as ambassadors of your word and help us to take it out there in Jesus' name. I feel like we're going to have some prayer time this morning, so... uh,